What's up, everybody? This is episode 116 of the Q&A podcast. My name is Anthony, and sitting right across from me, as always, is my pal, DeQuincy. Hey, guys. How you doing? You really bring the energy tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good tonight, so. Oh, that's good. So, um, what's with all the green? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm on my Gumby shit. What can I say? Because uh, okay. usually I, uh, when we do this, this uh, Zoom as soon as I get the connection stable, I'm I'm right back to Chrome and I never look over. But today was one of those divine intervention. I look over like, why is he wearing all this damn green today? <laughs> it's cold, man. It's cold outside. I had to wear long pants today for uh for the gym, so I'm wearing all green. Just so happens. And uh, let me ask you this, I, or you know, or I'll tell you, mm-hmm. I try to take a gym selfie. Is a miserable experience. I stink at taking gym selfies. Never gonna do it again. I just can't. I, I can't. Okay, now I'm gonna dive into this, even though I know I shouldn't. Why do you suck at taking gym selfies? I can't. My I can't hold the camera state or the phone. You know, stable. And I try to try to set a timer so I can put it somewhere to. It just. It's a big production that I'm just not cut out for. We. We literally have the smartphones to take out the whole shaking cam thing. <laughs> You're still messing up. <laughs> yeah. Where there's a will, there's a way. Yes, when it comes to technology, you can find that way. But we're not here to talk about Anthony's failures at selfies. We're here to talk about sports. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> it'd be a it'd be a very long podcast. And it, yeah, oh God, it'd be a seven parter. <laughs> but, uh, let's get to what we're really here to talk about. We're here to talk about um, the Super Bowl for one. Super Bowl Fifty Four. Yeah, Super, Super Bowl One. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying the Super Bowl Fifty Four. Super Bowl Live, as I've just been calling it. Yeah. And we're talking about the Chiefs coming from behind and defeating the Forty ers Final score was what was it twenty four twenty. No, thirty-one to twenty. Oh, oh, that's right. He scored that last, that last yeah. touchdown. Thirty-one to. It's amazing. ESPN has like on their NFL page, they have like seven hundred stories about the Super Bowl, and you have to scroll like all the way down to the very bottom to find the damn score. <laughs> I'm like, I just want the score of the games. Like, oh, here's everybody. Here's everybody's reaction to what happened. We got to talk about the Chiefs and the 49ers. Like, guys, can I just see what the hell the score was? No, okay. We'll give you the score, but first, here's some articles for you to read. Uh, let me ask you, did because we talked about it last time, how much of the game did you watch? I know you, there was a, a lack of interest on your, on your part. And for I me, guess. like it was kind of – I missed the first quarter just because I was running errands. But, uh, you know, I still wanted to, you know, hurry and get home as quickly as I could to watch as much of the game. But uh, I was curious because, you know uh, – you suggested we talk about it. So I don't know how much you actually watched. So I was at my mother's house on the majority of Sunday. Got all. When, yeah, sorry. After that, I had to pick my girlfriend up from work at 6. So I missed the beginning of the game. And we got home just in time for me to see the, um, the kiddo push off. Okay. Yeah, it's about the same time I got home as well. Yeah, so like right before the end of the second quarter. Oh, that was a, just a terrible uh, decision on Kittle's part, you know, to 
to do that. Yeah, because I think he's, he was going to catch the ball anyway. And the moment they see you extend that arm and an elbow extends, that flag is coming. And I, that, just, I mean, 10 out of 10. Yeah. And, and I know that's not the way it used to be, but they've been calling that more often the past, I think, two years. So it, it really wasn't a surprise. What was surprising was watching at the end of that uh, second quarter right before halftime just how conservative the 49ers were. Be, uh, they, were they really didn't try to drive down until – Garoppolo made that pass a kill that was called back. And I remember watching it. I saw they showed the um, not the, uh, one of the box boxes. And uh, what's his name? John Lynch was up there, like, just signaling for a timeout. It's like, can the GM call a timeout? I don't think so, but he's trying his hardest. Yeah, you said you were surprised to see how conservative the 49ers were. No, it's more like how conservative Kyle Shanahan was. I mean, when you have the general manager who can read it and call it, you know, rather you call a timeout, I mean, like, you have to take, you have to take that chance. I mean, it's, it's the Super Bowl. There's still a whole another half left to play. And for you to play it that safe, you know, with, with two quarters of the game left, I mean, you know, it's like, it's baffling because, you know, the best teams don't play it safe. The best teams put it out, put it all, put it out all on the line. Yeah. So you know what that said to me? Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust his quarterback. No. And considering Jimmy Garoppolo was playing really well in that first half, he had more passing yards than. Uh, than Patrick Mahomes. Which wasn't hard, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, higher completion rate in the first half. One one and one touchdown interception, but you know, he you know, he threw a touchdown. Um and he looked like he was, you know, in a in a rhythm to keep this team going. But uh like yeah, like you said, Kyle Shanahan completely just you know dropped or lost his faith in his quarterback. And you don't win titles when you lose faith in any player on your team. Yeah, I'm, I said this going into the Super Bowl about Garoppolo that he wasn't like the franchise quarterback. And they had doubt. I believe they had doubts about him going into the game. You saw, like I said last podcast, he'd only thrown 20 passes in the two games since that one uh, interception against the Vikings. Yeah. And – uh, yeah, they had a good running game and everything. They were able to keep the ball away from the Chiefs, run the clock and such and such and so forth. But at the end of the game, when you need your quarterback to drive down the field, they couldn't do it. And let me get – this is another one. I think this is the second podcast in a row where I called something. I got it right. I said I I pick, I was picked the Chiefs because I had more faith in Patrick Mahomes than I did in, in uh, Garoppolo, and that came to fruition. Your boy, two straight. Look at me, baby. Woo! Two in a row. And what what did I tell? Or you asked me how many points did I think San Francisco needed to score to win the game? Yes. I, I said thirty-five points, mm-hmm. and 
that's what they that you know. And thirty five. Obviously, they <laughs> right. They they came up short, obviously, but so you were right too. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm taking some of it. Yep. Um, still, you know, I mean, the second half was you know was a good game. Uh, I really thought San Francisco had Kansas City on the ropes when they when they sacked Mahomes on fourth down or on third down. Uh, I think it was the beginning of the fourth quarter. It was like a nine yard loss on third down and they converted the first down the next play, I believe. Right. The pass to, was it Watkins or was it Hill? I think it was a pass to Hill. I thought it was over when um, uh, San Francisco got the interception. Yes. I mean, they had Mahomes on the ropes the whole game up until that fourth quarter, man. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing though to see what this guy's doing. I mean, three straight deficits of what twenty four points or I mean, ten, no ten points at least ten. Yeah, at least ten. Um, all the playoffs and all the way in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's unheard of. Yeah, I was watching the game when they were down, and um, who was it? I think it was. I want to say Aikman brought the fact that they were down to the Texans by 24 and came back. And I just looked at the TV like, well, I didn't ask for this. (laughs) (laughs) I was just standing here. I was just sitting here watching a good game, minding my black ass business. And here comes (laughs) Troy Aikman with a goddamn two by four upside my head. Man. But it's like how it's, it's hard to, it's hard to forget it though. Shit. You ain't, you ain't kidding. Um, Anything else from this game? Uh, no, I mean, it's about it. You know, I'm, uh, like I said, I, uh, I was okay with whoever won at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean, you know what? Actually, we talked about it. Like I wasn't really rooting for Kansas city because of the fans, but then like that morning, I just had this epiphany. I was just like, who cares? I mean, who cares about their fans? Like if they, if they win the title, good for them. Like I'm not. Not holding any grudges on on fans or any particular fan um, <laughs> that may have uh, made me feel that way about you know or, or wanting to root against a team, but, you know, whatever. I'm, you know, they won, good for them. I really had no uh, no dog in the fight, so. Yeah, same here. The only reason I was rooting for the Chiefs was because you know uh, Patrick Mahomes, black quarterback. All black. I root for almost everyone black. Yeah, no, I mean, and he's a Texas boy. I, I like yeah. that. I mean, you know, I, I couldn't. It's hard to root against him. And um, Andy Andy Reid, he had a borderline Hall of Fame career before this game. Now he's a shoe in, and you know, watching him from when he had McNabb with the Eagles, and him giving Vic a second chance to Nick to. Who's that? Not Nifos. Reviving Alex Smith. Alex Smith. There we go. Just I mean, he made Alex Smith. He turned him into a a pretty good quarterback. You know, to a and pro still, bowler, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So watching him just make it to Super Bowl again and actually win this time, it was it was a very nice moment. I'm glad that he finally got one. And, um, 
Yeah, you know, was, you know, turning it. I'm sorry. I was about to say something about Kyle Shanahan for it now. He's like, oh, they're, they're young. They, they're going to come back. It's like, but you don't know that. We thought the same thing about the Rams last year. You see how their season. Yeah, goes. that's true. So it's like, it's, I don't know what they're going to do about Garoppolo because let me ask you, who would you rather have Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins? Um, I would still rather have Garoppolo. Yeah, think about it, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, because Garoppolo they're both is game. Not- they're both game managers. Um, Kirk Cousins has had more opportunities to win big games, and he's failed. This is Garoppolo's first, and you know, yeah, it's a big one. I mean, it's a Super Bowl, but. Um, Kirk Cousins hasn't been in a Super Bowl yet, you know. He, he, but he's lost plenty of like important games in his career. So yeah, right now I would take Garoppolo. So next year, Kirk Cousins will be 32 years old, getting paid. What's his base salary? So basically, 31 million dollars next year. Was last year? He's 31. So he's Jimmy Garoppolo. How old do you think Jimmy Garoppolo is? Is he 28? Next year, he will be 29. So 29. Make about 24 million. So he only got two more years left in his contract. So, yeah, so he's two years younger and a little bit cheaper. So, yeah, I I agree with you. I'd rather have Garoppolo than Cousins. But the fact that you had to pause for like five seconds to think about it, <laughs> yeah, it shows my lack of faith in him. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on. Super Bowl. Well, oh, okay. Super Bowl commercials. Did you see any that stood out to you? Didn't really pay attention to them. I wow. saw the uh, the first one I saw was the one for favor with the former world's most interesting man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, they got that guy! Like. That's hilarious. Like, that was actually hilarious that they got that guy to be in that commercial. Um, I saw or multiple – like, they did two spots with him, I think. Yeah. I think the uh, first one was him looking for the beer, and then, like, two commercials later, the fiber driver came and delivered it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, so that was, like, just kind of – that was kind of funny. Um I also remember the Jeep Renegade one. Is it Renegade? The one with Bill Murray, the, the, ground the Groundhog's, Day. Groundhog's Day commercial. Mm-hmm. That was okay. Yeah. Man. Uh, uh, <laughs> Alright. We've talked about this. We've talked about you know, getting serious and mm-hmm. what or like you feel strongly about certain things or you know social issues like way more than I do just in terms of like your investment in them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that I don't care. It's just, you know, I, you know, haven't looked into the issues as, as much as you have. And, and we've talked about that. I found it very interesting. Like it was really weird. And it just was kind of, it just, to me, it was just kind of a, a shake your head moment 
Because there was this one commercial where they were, I mean, the commercial, the part of the reason why I don't like commercials is because of this. It's just because all it is, is NFL, the, the, you know, the network that's running the Super Bowl or whatever. They're just out there to cash those checks. They don't care. They pay no mind to anything. As long as they're not getting naked in these commercials or saying, you know, foul words, they probably really couldn't care less about what's going on. As long as those checks are clean. There was one commercial, though, where um, it was uh, for Anquan Bolden, Mm -hmm. where he was talking about, uh, I think his cousin got killed. Yes. By his his cousin, uh, his car broke down on the side of the road. A plainclothes police officer came up and shot him three times and killed him. Yeah. I mean, a terrible, a terrible story, a terrible incident tragic you know you know all around a very serious thing that like you know in the middle of the super bowl it makes you you know you do it's intended to to make you stop and think about the issues and and things like that even just for just a brief moment while you're watching a sports game a game that's insignificant compared to some guy getting killed by anybody you know whether it's an officer or whatever Anybody losing their life prematurely, um, it's just a terrible situation. So it makes you stop and think about things for a brief second. But then right after that, they ran a commercial for H-E-B with Eva Longoria dancing in her backyard of her mansion at the cookout, you know, offering the, uh, you know, they were setting up the, you know, win H-E-B free, H-E-B for life or whatever. Contest. It's like that's what bugs me. It's like they don't care. There was no thought or consideration into the placement of these commercials. Like, how are you going to go from something that's extremely serious and really important to some clown act literally two seconds later? Like, it it just it it made no sense for those commercials to run back to back like that. Like. I understand you maybe you want to bring levity to what you after what you just saw, but not some celebrity in her backyard high fiving people and taking off their plates, you know, their hamburgers and hot dogs or whatever, plugging some stupid mustard or whatever that she was plugging. Like, if you're gonna bring the levity, run something not as bombastic as that following commercial. It, It just it felt tone deaf to me and I, I never get like that, but it was, it just was stupid in my opinion. I don't know if you noticed that. I, I'm sorry. First off, sir, I would not have you on this podcast slandering the good name of Eva Longoria or <laughs> the great name of HEB. <laughs> I will not have you on this podcast. Sir. I would delete you from this earth and say good day. I'm not, I'm she not is, shaming HB. She is a Texas royalty, and you would treat her as such. Bow down to the queen. I, I understand. I will have you disbarred from every HEB in the state. Do you want no. that? <laughs> no, please don't. Um, but uh, but going back to your big point, uh, the only thing I say is like, I don't know how they plan these commercials or how they, you know, what follows what and, and who. But they could have planned it better, in my opinion. I just don't know. 
I just don't know what if that's what the commercial like what what kind of commercial is okay to follow that up with. I think something not as like over the top cheerful as the one that followed. I think you could bring it down a little bit. Um, I don't know, but it just it was just really odd. Like it was just this real somber moment to hey come to H E B and. You know, come to the cookout. It's like, uh, I don't know. Like, like, and again, it's not the it's not the H E B or or Evelyn Goria or Anquan Bolden. It's it's the people who are in charge of running these commercials. Like, they should. You know, I don't know. It just felt really uncomfortable. Like going from that to that, like instantly. So and also, I just thought of something. Whenever we get the HEB commercials and big games, I always stop and wonder how many people are actually in the HEB commercials. Because HEB isn't like a hundred percent nationwide, is it? No, uh, for sure Texas and probably some other southern states, maybe Louisiana. So uh, like, if if you're up north, like let's say you're in Vermont, you don't get the HEB commercial. You're probably getting some local grocery commercial as well, right? That they're probably running their own promotion, you know, like free Publix or whatever. Something we don't have down here, right? Or a Ralph's over in a West Coast. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I don't mean to take out the game. I just thought about that. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 I, I get that. That that annoys you, even though you say one more thing about HEB. <laughs> Put you in that goddamn walls of Jericho. I swear for the Lord. No, I, I, I won't speak speak ill of it I uh, anymore. Don't you put that evil on HEB, Ricky Bobby. Don't you do it. But uh, sorry. Uh, my pick for commercials, I only had two that really stood out to me. And uh, it's kind of showing that computers are about to be our overlords. The first one was the uh, Alexa commercial with Ellen DeGeneres and her wife. Oh yeah, that was I saw that on the periphery. Where it's like, oh, well, what did we do before Alexa? And it's going back in time and showing different things. And I, my favorite part of the commercial where it, uh, the one where it was inside the White House and Richard Nixon was talking to his secretary. He was like, yeah. Alicia, delete those tapes. And she's like. Sure thing, Mr. President. And then she leans forward and looks directly in the camera and says, I ain't deleting shit. Cuts right, it cuts. <laughs> I was like, oh, black girl magic. And then, like, the second commercial, the one that got me in my feels was uh, the Google commercial, the one where the, the uh, elderly man who's dealing with Alzheimer's is telling Google to remember things about his uh, his deceased wife. Yeah, I heard about that one. I, I didn't see it, though. Oh, man. I teared up. You know, old people being sentimental thinking, and, you know, you start thinking about death and mortality. Yeah. And uh, it just got to me. Because this week, oh, man, this thing is... Speaking of that, we we talked about the Kobe thing. I, I don't think I told you one of my former coworkers passed away. Like, oh man, um, on Saturday, the, the day before Kobe passed, died. Holy cow! Yeah, he just he just his heart gave out and he died in his sleep. 
that's awful. Yeah, so I was thinking when that commercial hit, and I was thinking about his wife. I mean, how that commercial hit her, and would she have to do the same thing in the future? And I was, oh boy, the tears, they were hitting, and there was a flow. But yeah, those are the two commercials that, that I really enjoyed, along with the, um, the Groundhog Day. I found that one cute. Yeah, it was, it was fine. It was fine. Um, uh, real quick, uh, HEB, Amer- an American privately held supermarket chain based in San Antonio, Texas. Mm-hmm. More than 350 stores throughout the United States state of Texas, as well as in Northeast Mexico. So it's Texas and Mexico. Okay. So... A lot of people didn't see the HUB commercial. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, shit. I went to HUB today. Huh? So, it, it, the bad's working. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Uh, halftime show. What did you think? Oh, I I mean, uh, it's fine. You know, who? I mean, I can't ever complain about two scantily clad women you know dancing around like exactly i'm never gonna complain about butts being shaking in front of me no not at all um i don't find it offensive i don't find it immoral um i mean personally i'm the most offensive thing was just the music i just i don't listen to their music i don't listen to shakira or jennifer lopez i mean I i think and offensive is a strong word. It's not. Even, <laughs> I wasn't even offended. I'm just like yeah. bored. I knew one. I think one or two Shakira songs. And I knew the majority of the Jennifer Lopez ones. But I wasn't here for their songs. I was here to watch them shake the hips and see the booties moving. And yeah, I got hey. what I came for. <laughs> All right, damn. And I'm so happy that we're finally past the whole nipple gate. We can see booty shaking again. Here's you know. Here's an interesting story, man. Mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody about. Um, the Super Bowl and like halftime shows and stuff. And I was, I was telling them how I most more times than not over the past, I would say 15 years, 20 years, maybe as young as I was in those days, I can't ever remember a time where I didn't fall asleep during the Super Bowl, whether it's after the first quarter or whatever. But I vividly remember, because this was before social media, way before, so even I think even before, even before MySpace or just at the beginning. But I remember falling asleep right as halftime was starting. Mm-hmm. And I woke up for a game for the Super Bowl. Watched, I guess, the fourth quarter. I think that's when I woke up was the fourth quarter. Watched the rest of the game. Went to bed. And woke up the next morning at 6 o'clock in the morning or whatever to get ready for school. I remember turning on the television. And all they were talking about on the news was Justin Timberlake exposed Janet Jackson's breast on live television, on national television. So I'm here to tell you, I missed that very live an iconic moment because I fell asleep. 
And it's one of the, it's not a regret because, you know, that's just a weird situation because, you know, whether or not it was planned or whatever, you know, whether it was consensual or not, like, I can't like feel bad about missing it because I really don't know all the facts on the story, but I missed it. (laughs) I missed it. I never went back to, you know, watch the video or whatever. I mean, at that time, the videos weren't, you know, weren't as readily available. But uh, I don't know. It's just weird that I missed that one major moment in in football history, in halftime history. So ever since then, I've never really taken a, a stock into the halftime show because it's like, that's never going to happen again. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, if it does, it's really not a big deal. I mean, we're all – I'm more mature – than I was at that time. So I can handle it much better, I hope. I remember seeing it live, and I remember the discussions in school the next day because that was my senior year of high school. And ooh, boy. Ooh, yeah. boy. But that was the end of the, of the ass shaking era for a while because they went – the next couple of years, they went super safe. Yeah, they went Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Can can you name? Can you name? How many of these can you name? I almost want you to go in order to name the um, the Super Bowl halftime performance. I don't think you can. So you said Springsteen, the Who. Right. Okay. So when was the the Janet Jackson? Two thousand fourteen. Ah, two thousand four. Sorry. Two thousand four. Okay. So from two thousand four on, man, that's a. That's a tall order. I don't think I can get it in order. I don't even think I can get all of them, but I know Bruce, the who? Uh, hold on, let me go. Bruce Springsteen was 2009. The who, 2010. Wow, okay. Uh, U2? Ooh, you, nope. U2 was 2001. No. I remember that because, uh, oh, no, okay. I'm sorry, 2002. I remember that because it's right after the 9-11 attacks. Oh, okay. Okay, so I'm not going to go in order because I, I, <laughs> I, I thought the Who and Bruce were like right after Janet and Justin. No, um, right after was... Uh, hold on, let me see if I can get it. Uh, Paul McCartney? You are correct. Nice. That's 2005. Can you get 2006? It's another old uh, band. Aerosmith? Nope, that's 2006. I'm trying to think if I can uh, – Mick Jagger. Rolling Stones or just yep. Mick Jagger? Rolling Stones. Okay. So McCartney, The Stones. Oh, seven. <laughs> Are you thinking? Are you thinking? <laughs> Anthony is still there. Yeah. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Prince, was that 2007 or 2008? 2007. 2008, I'll be shocked if you get. Um, was it Snoop Dogg? No. <laughs> We're still in the safe era. Oh, still in the safe era. Uh, I don't think Snoop has done one yet. Huh. Uh, the safe era. It's another old band. White people would love them. The Eagles? Nope. 
Oh man, Jimmy Jimmy Buffet. No, I'm just gonna give it to you because I don't know any of the songs. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Oh, okay, okay. All right, you got 2009 because that was Bruce Springsteen, aka Every White Sports Writer's Dream. Uh, 2010 was The Who, you got that. 2011, we kind of got back into the hip hop portions, although it was safe hip hop. Uh, Was it? uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's safe hip hop. Yeah. Isn't that an oxymoron? Yeah, well, it is a group. Uh, it's like a group. Uh-huh. Boys to Men? No. Black Eyed Peas. Oh, Destiny's Child. No, Black Eyed Black Peas. Black Eyed Peas. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. 2012, uh, uh, it was a group of people, but the main person was Madonna. 2013, Beyonce and Destiny's Child. Now we're getting... We're, Slowly getting back into the two thousand into like pop. Uh, 2014, you said this offline. Bruno Mars and Red Hot Chili Peppers. 2015, Katy Perry, Lenny Kravitz, Missy Elliott. 2016, Coldplay, Beyonce, Bruno Mars. 2017, Lady Gaga, and then last year, Justin Timberlake. Oh, sorry, that was 2018. Yeah, last year, Maroon Hot 5, Travis Scott, Big Boy. 2018 with Justin Timberlake and his album that went double wood. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we I mean, got, you know, not, not bad. bad. I, look, I'm, we finally got out of the old, uh, old rock bands because I think they were slowly starting to die out. Yeah, and there's, I mean, if you're going to pick a rock band anytime soon, mm-hmm. you'd probably either go with U2 again or Foo Fighters because they haven't done it. And they've got enough, like, they have enough songs in their catalog to, to do it. Um, but, you know, that ship may have sailed as well. I mean, in terms of, like, interest in, in them doing it. I mean, it may have completely sailed. Because, you know, I don't know how strong the interest was, you know, even 10 years ago. Yeah. And they're one of my favorite bands of all time, you know. But, you know, I, I try to be, uh, you know, try to be realistic when, when I'm talking about Super Bowl halftime performers. It's got to get the kids talking. Yeah. All right, that's it. We're done with Super Bowl. We're over until next yep. year. Next year is in Tampa Bay. Can't wait to come. Hey, Tampa. The weather should be fine, so we should get some more booty shaking. We can only hope. We can only hope. Fingers crossed. All right, and now we've come to the section of podcast where I'm calling Anthony's UFC Minute. <laughs> As the well, resident uh, UFC watcher, I, cons- I the floor is yours. I can see this time to you, sir. Well, we've got uh, UFC 247 um, on February 8th, this coming Saturday from when we're recording, um, from right here in Houston, the Toyota Center. They come around every couple of years. The main event is uh, the light heavyweight championship uh, on the line, Mm -hmm. John Jones. 
versus uh, Dominic Reyes, who is is time for you know a title shot at least. I mean, you know, but um, you know, John Jones is is in many people's minds the goat in terms of uh, you know as a mixed martial artist. Um, he's got a lot of baggage with him, <laughs> but I mean his that's a light way of saying drug addict. Yeah, his resume, his skill set. I mean, it's hard to argue with him being one of the greatest of all time. Um, and in the co-main event, I sent you a video, so why don't you watch that for a second mm-hmm. while I'm discussing it. Uh, is the women's flyweight 125-pound title uh, champion Valentina Shevchenko defending against uh, Caitlin Chukagian, who I believe is from, like, New York um, or the New York area. And I think Ooh. she's, like, the number one ranked number one ranked contender for the title I, I don't know off the top of my head but um I'm, I'm watching a video of um sure how you say her name Shevchenko Shevchenko's last fight and she almost took this lady's eye out god damn and the, what the, the girls kick. coincidentally her name is Jessica I <laughs> um that was the first time I'd ever seen a a woman get knocked out cold by a head kick. Um, she was slumped. She was flatlined completely. It was one of the best timed kicks ever, man or woman. But man, it was brutal. So that's who's defending her title. <laughs> She's the second or third best female fighter in the world. Um, she's lost to the the best female fighter in the world and probably the best female fighter of all time. Um, twice, I believe. Uh, Amanda Nunes, who's the 135-pound uh, women's bantamweight champion. So Shevchenko, I mean, is just a monster. And I haven't seen Chukagian fight. I don't think I've seen her fight at all. Um, but anybody that's fighting Shevchenko is going to have a tough time. And, you know, it's, it should be a good fight. You know, I, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, there's a couple of other fights on the main card, but really the big fight, um, I guess to start the card, I hope not, but I don't know. It looks the way that the, the lineup is listed. Um, possibly the opening fight of the pay-per-view is a, a couple of heavyweights. Um, Alir Latifi, who is making his heavyweight debut, he's moving up from the 205-pound Light heavyweight division, fighting Houston's own Derek the Black Beast Lewis, who is one of my favorite fighters, not just because he's from Houston, but he is, he has unbelievable power. He really is a beast. I mean, this guy is, he has to cut, he's one of the few heavyweights that has to cut down to get to the 265 pound weight limit. Um, Unbelievable knockout power and a very entertaining guy in his post-fight interviews. Um, (laughs) A great follow on Instagram. I mean, this guy posts the best videos, the funniest videos on Instagram. Um, And yeah, I mean, you know, and he's fought for the title once. He lost against Daniel Cormier. And uh, man, I'd love to see him, you know, Work his way back up to a to a title 
to a title fight. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, he's just got to get through this guy, and he can't take the TV light lightly. I mean, he's a small, he's a way smaller fighter than than Lewis, and he's powerful too. So you know, you you don't want you don't want this guy coming up and, and beating you all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's you know, it's gonna be fun. Um, you know, thankfully I'll be watching from from home. Uh, oh, you're breaking up. Oh no, is that don't really care to go to the Toyota Center to watch these fights live. Oh no, we're losing Anthony. He's breaking up. He's going through time. What's that? Oh, sorry, you're breaking up right there, and I was just making jokes. Oh, awesome again. Uh-oh. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're back. Well, maybe not. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't really like to go watch the fights live. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's always fun. It's always fun when, when, you know, big events come to town, whether it's you know, MMA fight or a boxing match or the Super Bowl or whatever. Um, uh, you know, there's fighters all over, you know, making appearances all over town. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. It's exciting for the fans. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's it's already been a fun week, it sounds like, and uh should be a good weekend. Good, good night of fights on Saturday night. Oh, cool. I'm glad to hear that. And that has been Anthony's UFC Minute, presented by Anthony. You need a fight. You're there for your life. <laughs> All right, moving on to the final topic. We're here to talk about some baseball. Yep. And um, DQ. Yeah. Houston Astros. We have a new general manager. Yay. That's, I got nothing for you. <laughs> Astros hired a new manager, uh, James Click, formerly of the Tampa Bay Rays, to replace Jeff Lunau as the general manager. Um, I'm going to say I like the hire only because – well, not only because. Simply because – um, we've kind of already gone through this with Jeff Lunau. Mm-hmm. Like Jim Crane hires a guy that really nobody knows about, uh, except for, you know, major baseball insiders. Um, and look how that turned out. You know, the guy was a analytics machine, built this team up and James Click is by all accounts, of the same mold, analytics-driven. He's in the fortunate spot right now where he doesn't have to build up an organization from – doesn't have to build an organization from the ground up. Um, You know, he's got to make sure the team is competitive at the big league level, which shouldn't be a problem. And – I guess really his biggest challenge would have to be just making sure or rebuilding, re- replenishing the farm system. 
You know, it's no longer the number one farm system in baseball like it was a few years ago. Uh, and that's a good thing. I mean, that just means that the talent is um, making their way up. They're mm-hmm. contributing, whether they're contributing on the team directly or being used as trade chips, um, you know, trade pieces. So, yeah, I mean, in my mind, that would really be the biggest challenge is just, uh, you know, not, you know, uh, strengthening the farm system because it's not completely depleted yet. Um, and a big challenge of that is, is the fact that we're, you know, we're going to be missing out on four draft picks over the next two years, our first and second round draft picks this year and next year. So, yeah. Um, and so those are major pieces missing. Um, so hopefully, you know, he'll have, he'll have a great scouting department and, uh, you know, make, make do with what he has uh, in terms of draft picks. So, you know, I'm, I'm uh, not down on the signing or on the, you know, the hiring at all. You know, I'm not as confused as I was when we originally signed or hired Jeff Lou now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel good. Okay, man. That's good to hear. I would say, if anything, let me, or, well, you know, let me ask you this, because we've yeah. talked about this in the past. Mm-hmm. The idea of signing, of, uh, I'm signing, of trading Carlos Correa, you think that might, that might be more likely to happen um, considering we don't have those draft picks because if anything, Correa could could land you a couple of good, decent prospects. I'm saying it's possible just because you're more likely to trade guys in your system that you haven't drafted that you don't have the connection to. Uh-huh. So Click would be more likely to, to trade him away than Lunau was. And I come from the school of thought that everyone is – available in a trade. There's no such thing as someone being untouchable. Right. So if like they put the fields out for Carlos Correa, let's say uh, I showed you an article from The Athletic about a week ago where he'd be the basis of a trade for Nolan, um, what's his name? Arenado. Uh, Arenado. So it'd be Carlos Correa plus I think it's said Josh James, some another pitcher for Nolan Arenado. Put Aaron Hall at third and Lou Bregman to shortstop. That way you don't have to you have your left field, your shortstop and your third base locked up for a considerable amount of years. Mm-hmm. And you don't worry about Carlos Correa breaking the bank. And that's something that I would be interested in looking into. Especially like I'd be like, um, can you also take Josh Reddick's contract, please? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm like, nothing is off the table for this team. I really like Carlos Correa. I think he's been unlucky when it comes to injury. But if you could trade him for a guy in Arenado who plays 140 games a year, is giving you MVP-level play, then I would do it. So you would trade him for a big leaguer, not, uh, not a prospect to kind of, like, kind of uh, lessen the blow of not having those – draft picks, you know, this year and next. What do we need prospects for? Um, just to make sure that, you know, the, the, the pipeline is still 
steady or it's still strong. You need a pipeline when you can't win. This team is built to win now. You only have uh, Verlander and Grinky for two more years. Mm-hmm. And you can worry about the pipeline and when you actually have first round pits. Until then, let's let's try to get another title or two while we had the opportunity. That's fair. No, that that that's a fair point as well. Um yeah, I mean, you know, I get that. Win win now if you can. But uh yeah, I'm not but I, I do agree that, you know, now that it's a new regime, basically, anybody's up for grabs and and it'd be nice to have that power of aeronautics with Bregman, with Alvarez, with Your internet is unstable. Internet. But yeah, I wouldn't worry about um, the farm system. You, they win a, if they win the title this year, no, no one's going to give a damn what the farm looks like in you know, 2021, 2022. We spent all those years worried about the farm system because the major league team sucked. So it's just... Whatever it takes to win, no flags fly fair. Whatever it takes to win championship this year and next year, why sell Verlander and Greenfield? Let's let's do it because yeah. we you can talk about prospects all you want. How do you feel about Whitley and uh, Tucker right now? I bet you feel worse about them now than you did a year ago. Oh yeah, without a doubt. And so prospects don't mean shit if they come out and they shit the bed. Yeah, give me proven major league players like Arenado. Who can win games? <laughs> there you go. Well, it'll be, be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm excited already. You know, football's over. You know, paying some attention to basketball, but baseball. NFL, man, NFL's over. We still have the XFL. Oh yeah, I can't wait. I'm actually. Uh, I'm gonna watch the game for the, at least the first two weeks. Yeah, give them that. Give them that much. Why not? So, anything else, brother? Oh, yeah. We're, let's not forget the uh, second biggest reason that we jumped on today, excluding the Super Bowl, this Mookie Betts trade. <laughs> Man, um, look, Mookie Betts is going to be a free agent after next year. Oh, hold on. Let me tell you what he got. Okay. So, the Dodgers received Mookie Betts and David Price from the Red Sox, along with Cash, to cover a part of David Price's contract. The Red Sox received two uh, prospects, one for the Dodgers, one for the Twins, whose names I'm not even going to try to butcher. And the Twins received Kenta Madia from the Dodgers. Yeah, look, Mookie Betts is going to be a free agent after this season. Um, mm-hmm. The Red Sox trying to slash payroll. Those are two guys who are making – and are going to be making a lot of money after next year. Um, so get rid of them while you can. I believe we and, both have ransomed this few for the Dodgers and me for the Red Sox. So go ahead, rent away, buddy. My thing is the Dodgers and everybody else bitched so much, so hard about 
the cheating scandals or the sign stealing scandals or whatever you want to call it of 2017 and 2018 when Dodgers lost in the World Series to the Astros and then again to the Red Sox the following year. Everybody's bitching about these teams. Yet the Red Sox made or the Dodgers had no problem dealing with these organiz dealing with an organization like the Red Sox, who by all accounts cheated similar to what the Astros did, had no problem taking two of the best players from that 2018 team and two players who, you know, were directly involved with winning the World Series in 2018. Like, it just, you know, you have no reason to complain anymore because you've made a deal with the devil, essentially. And now all you're trying to do is, is benefit from it. People's loyalties for their teams go as far as the team goes in winning. Well, I mean by that is if Mookie Betts helps the Dodgers win a World Series this year, they're not going to give a damn about what happened with the Red Sox in 2018. If they could take right now, if they could get um, Justin Verlander on their team, they happily do it because about winning the World <laughs> Series. Mm -hmm. Like all yeah. that bitching, like they hate um, Alex Bregman. If they could figure out a way to get him on his team right now, playing outfield or whatever, they they would do everything. Position MLB to start to DH in 2020. <laughs> it's winning is is the only thing that matters for most fans and if they can take some like we saw that here with the Astros when they got Asuna how many people threw their morality out the window for a chance at another title so and that guy you know is an accused domestic abuser I'm not surprised by anything people do or say for their team to win. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, just, you know, zip it. No more complaining. You got one of the best players in baseball out of this. So, you know, good luck to you. Yeah. I don't think they need luck anymore. I think they're the runaway favorites in the National League now. Uh, going to my rant. My rant is just about the Boston Red Sox and ownership and like the the team, the Boston Red Sox, the stadium, everything is worth $6.6 billion. It's worth more than the Yankees is worth right now. And yeah. you're a billionaire. What the hell are you doing going cheap on players? Like the Red Sox make, they print money. Yeah. And you're so scared about this damn luxury tax. You're willing to give away one of the what, top five players in baseball right now. Yeah, I don't get that. I mean, and and you're still, you know, if you kept those two guys, you're still contenders for you're the title, like the division and the title. The Before they were definitely contenders for the division. Now I think they're going to be struggling to make it for the wild card. And 
I think losing Price is going to be a bigger blow than they think because he's no longer an ace, but he's a he's a fine two three, and I think going to the National League where you don't have to worry about the DH and especially going to that pitcher's park in Dodger Stadium, he's going to – I wouldn't be – like, he's going to be in my dark horse Cy Young <laughs> going to the next season. But if Yeah, and he's going, John, to, John going to L.A. Henry, you have more money than God. What the hell are you doing just giving up on a talent? Like, the very – you can keep him. You can continue to negotiate. You can have him for this year, make another run at the World Series and, you know, get the money from that and just running scared from this luxury tax. It's like, what's the point of being a billionaire and having all the money in the world if you're running scared of, of like, spending money? I don't understand it. Do you just want to be the guy who's known as, hey, there's a guy who gave up on our World Series opportunity. So that's what people are going to say around town. Yeah, and if you're worth a billion dollars and let's say you get penalized or taxed $30 million. $30 million out of a billion is... It's so insignificant to what a billion dollars is. It's not even funny. And you, you'll make that money up in the damn playoff run. I don't... You'll, you'll make it in the concession point? stands in a what, week. What's the, what is the goddamn point? Man? I don't understand. And I had the same problem with, uh, what was it, Tillman for, for Tita with the Rockets. Why do, you, why do you buy these damn teams, shell this money, if you don't want to make the investment and winning? Because people yeah. aren't blind. They can see when you're trying to, to dodge the, the luxury tax when you're trying to get out of the cap and you don't want to spend money. And then you just, around town, you just become the cheapskate that doesn't want to do everything possible to win. And we're seeing that now with the Rockets, and we're going to see this with John Henry and the Red Sox for the entire season. And it's just stupefying, man. It don't make no fucking sense. Yep. But the good news is, or at least... Like, if you're so scared about losing money, sell the fucking team. But you won't get sell the fucking team because you make too much damn money. <laughs> Right. But the good news, the silver lining is it's one less team that the Astros have to worry about. And at the end of the day, if, you know, the Red Sox are going to be weaker, it's a clear, it's the, the path becomes a little more clear for our hometown nine. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. And nice work. I want to say congratulations to the twins. Their all season has been great this, this year getting, um, like I said, getting Medea in this trade, signing Josh Donaldson, they're doing yeah. everything they can to win, and I applaud them. We need to give some respect to these small market, mid-market teams who are actually trying to win. I like the fucking billion-dollar Red Sox. <laughs> like, that infuriates me to no end. I just, you, make, you got all the money in the world. Your team makes money hand over fish year after year and you're going to cheap out on one of the best players in the world. One of the best players, yeah, of the last 10 years. He's going to be. I mean, he's, you know, yeah, he's going to be a general, he's, you know, one of the best players of this era. <sighs> it's just, like, don't own the team. Sell the team, John. If you're going to be cheap, sell the team. That way <laughs> you can make all the money you want and go yachting or 
boating or whatever the hell rich people do. Or just sitting on top of your money. <laughs> yes, until you die and they bury you with it. Just, right. I'm, uh, just, I am disgusted. But that's, that's all I'm going to say here. That's it. Yeah. <sighs> this is a good one. This is fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to get it off. I've just been oops, pissed off about that since yesterday, but I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I can tell. That's good. I like the passion. Calm, calm down. Find my center. Find my chief. All right. We're good. <laughs> Anything else, man? No, I'm good. That's it. That's all I've got. Yeah, same here. Um, again, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, and if you're not subscribed, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else. Podcasts are fine for exactly free 99 leave us a review please we would love to hear from you guys we know you're listening i see the analytics i know you're listening so leave us a five-star review we would love to hear from you guys um also the email email us at 288pod at gmail.com that's 288pod at gmail.com and get your social Follow me on Instagram at N-O-T-E-L-R-I-C. Um, Sunday, February 16th, I've got a gig at the little downtown, 304 Main Street, Houston, Texas. We'll be spinning, spinning some sweet vinyl tunes from 6 p.m. all the way till 9 p.m. and Maybe a little bit longer, but uh, come on out. If, you, if you're in the Houston area, it should be a good one. Yes, I'm sorry, but I uh, my girlfriend's in the living room. She just sent me a picture of our cat. He's in the hallway <laughs> looking at the bedroom door trying to get in here. <laughs> he's, he's like, Father, let me in. All right, um, my Twitter, I'm taking a break right now because social media sucks. I hear you. So I'm just taking a break. I might be back next week. I might be back next month. Just depends how I feel. I'll let you know. But yeah, follow Anthony, and then I'm going to post a podcast soon. So that's it. Good to have you, bro. Good to have you. Oh, and um, should be another podcast this week with me and Brother Daniel. We'll be talking about the Rockets moves and the crazy-ass rules for the NBA All-Star Game. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Because I just went over – like, I've read – I've read the rules like three times. I still don't understand them. <laughs> They're that crazy. And it, yeah, the trade deadline just wrap will wrap up tomorrow, so we'll have podcasts after that. Oh, oh, and also we'll be talking about a certain trailer that dropped this week. That Anthony knows oh, nothing uh, about. Division? No. A certain trailer for a certain family. Fast Nine. Fast oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> we are we are high I am hyped. Uh, the leader are, of the C Nation is in this yes, movie. Yes, yes. John Cena plays uh Dominic Toretto's evil brother and I I am pumped. I've already told my girl, take the day off work. We're just going to go. <laughs> as soon as we drop our son off at school, we're going there. We're going to work. Nice. All right, man. Well, this is a great podcast, as always. Great to talk to you. And uh, we'll do this again next week. 
See you guys. Thanks again. All right. For Anthony, I'm De Quincey. Later, Wavers.